you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Titus, or the epistle to Titus. Does it matter what kind of person oversees a business? Should they have certain qualifications? What about a president? Should a president have certain qualifications? What qualities matter most for the role? You see, every leadership role has certain qualifications, and today we'll be looking at the qualifications of an elder, bishop, and or pastor. So we'll be looking at the qualifications of an elder in verses 5 through 9. There's really only one point to the text this morning, but many subpoints, if you will, as we look at each of the qualifications. We're going to read verses 5 through 9 and begin. For this reason, and this is Paul speaking to Titus, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict." So as we begin looking at these qualifications for an elder, I want you to understand that these qualifications are for those that are in a leadership, church, leadership role in a church, but they are not to be given as a list only for those, but rather a standard for all men that should lead in their homes. In fact, one of the things that we see here right in the beginning is that Paul starts off by saying, for this reason... I left you in Crete. Paul is telling you why he left Titus behind. Specifically, this is a big giveaway as to what Paul's goal was in leaving him behind. His goal was to leave behind a minister in every city in Crete. An elder in every city in Crete. He was to set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as Paul had commanded him to. The idea here is that people in Crete needed leadership, and they needed elders in every city where a church was established. Establishing godly leadership cannot be understated. When it comes to ministry, it is something that needs to be a priority. It should not be something that a church looks at and goes, we'll just take whatever we can get. Leadership is important in every church. Structure in the church begins with the appointing of elders, which is why a church ought to care very much who they have selected as their elder or pastor. The part that is interesting here, though, is that Titus is tasked with the particulars in selecting who is to be an elder. The elder of that particular body of believers was to be selected by Titus himself. 
But Paul doesn't leave him hanging. Paul is not saying, go find some leaders. Paul gives qualifiers to what that would look like. What kind of leaders are to be found in the church? He gives them, he gives them the parameters for that. There are many other things that could be mentioned, but these are the qualities that Titus is to look for in an elder of the church, or in particular, a leader of the church, as he would eventually move on once they had been established. It's always important to have certain qualities in mind whenever you bring anyone in to help in any ministry, whether it's in the church, in the school, any missionary organization, there are certain qualifications that people should meet. One of the greatest mistakes that's made in ministry is bringing in unqualified people. Any organization that brings unqualified people in struggles many times. Because it may be due to a lack of experience in a certain area. It may be due to a lack of certain skills in the requirements for that job. You wouldn't ask a McDonald's employee to go work at a bank tomorrow and be the CEO. It just wouldn't work. They need to have certain qualifications. They need to have worked a certain amount, have certain things that they can show that they've demonstrated. And just as that is important in the real world, it's crucially important in the church. There are 17 particular qualifications that Paul mentions here, and we'll be looking at each one of them as they appear in the text. 1 Timothy 3 has very similar ones, uh, but Titus actually has a few additional ones that are mentioned here. So let's start off with the first one, blameless, what the text says. The idea here is above reproach, having a good reputation, a lifestyle that practices what one preaches. Lending credibility to the position being held. A man of integrity. This does not mean perfection, else none of us would be qualified to begin with. But rather a man who exemplifies what it means to repent and show others how to live. There are many things that you can state about the word blameless. But when you see someone like the Apostle Peter who Paul calls out, Peter takes it and repents, even when he is confronted himself as an apostle. Peter was an elder, as well as an apostle. And this is one of the reasons why this is the first thing that is mentioned. A person needs to practice what they preach. Any person that strives to be a leader in the church needs to practice what they preach when it comes to the things of faith. The next one is husband of one wife. Literally a one woman man. This is not the flirting guy that should be called to ministry. Those men should stay away from the pulpit as soon as possible, as soon as someone recognizes that. A one woman man is absolutely vital for ministry. It's absolute because it's necessary to communicate the gospel to others. And if you're not that one woman man, you cannot communicate the gospel clearly to those in your congregation and the rest of the world. 
This was more in line with addressing the culture at that time, which was forbidding of polygamy. And probably not so much divorce, as some would state. Although divorce should be something that's strongly considered if it was recent. What were the reasons behind that? Elders are to be committed to their spouse, period. And by the way, even if you're not an elder, you are to be committed to your spouse, period. Here's the next one. Having faithful children not accused of dissipation or insubordination. This one's very controversial in many churches because it seems to be judgmental to qualify an elder on the basis of his children's behavior. Seems a little judgy, doesn't it? It's one of the qualifiers, though. An elder's children are to be under proper biblical discipline and not live wild or riotous lives, that's the idea there, in rebellion against the elder's authority in the home. The way a man leads his own home will determine how he leads the church, which is why it's crucial to the long-term success of a ministry that an elder leads his own home well. This is why there needs to be an important understanding by the congregation that the home is important to that elder, even in ministry. This is one of the reasons why there's a balance that needs to happen in the church. You can't expect an elder of the church to run the church well and not spend good quality time with the family. Those have to work in sync. A pastor must be a good leader at home, which means he needs to be at home to be a good leader at home. By default. If a pastor's out preaching in multiple conferences, going to certain different, doing different video series, constantly posting everything online, and spending very little time with the family at home, he cannot be a good elder. This is an important qualifier. The pastor leads at home. The next one, not self-willed. Not self-willed. A man that is not determined to just get what he wants to the point of being overbearing on others. There needs to be a greater goal in mind for an elder than just their own priorities. They need to be able to see the bigger picture. An elder who is qualified ought to be willing to hear the criticisms and opinions of others and work well with others. This is not a solo role. This is a team effort when it comes to the congregation. Which is one of the reasons why when an elder presents something to the leadership of the church, whether it's deacons or others, the congregation, it's important that we all work together. That it isn't just pastors go. Teamwork is crucial which is what makes this an important qualifier. I am beyond grateful when I get to pass a ministry on to somebody else and keep giving certain things that we keep growing with to somebody else. That shows progress. That shows we're growing. It's one of the excitements that I see in the school. 
this person did this role, now they're, they're moving to this role, now they're, it's just an incredible thing to see. And even in the church, people that just sat in the pews are now serving in other areas. It takes a team. A man that can compromise on areas of non-essential biblical importance. What do we mean by that? You know, what kind of materials we use in the church? Yeah. Whether the church event schedule has to be this way. You know, those are non-essential biblical doctrinal things. Those are not things that you're going to be sitting there pulling from Scripture and arguing over as being doctrinally sound or not. Some things are very much optional, but churches split over them way too easily. It's important that, a, that an elder is flexible and willing to work with the team while maintaining doctrinal integrity, which is still vital. An elder should always be willing to hear from others and be receptive to the interests of others and their needs, not just the elder's own personal needs and desires. It's a very important qualifier. The next one. Not quick-tempered. Not quick-tempered. This is an important qualification of an elder, which is not to be overstated. What's amazing to me about this one is that if you actually look through church history, you see a lot of people that were elders that were quick-tempered at times. They got really upset when somebody was not stating the doctrine properly. An elder is to be patient with the people of God. And not expect instant sanctification to occur in the life of the saints. A pastor should be able to step back and see progress has been made in a person's life over the last few years. And know they're not where they should be, but they have made progress in their sanctification. And that patience needs to be there. A person desiring the office of a bishop should be aware of their own attitude and how they respond to criticism and difficulties in life. It's important because an easily angered man is not a stable man that others would want to follow. This is an area that is so crucial even for those of us that are in the home. Fathers, are we easily angered with our kids? Next one we see here is not given to wine. A man under the constant influence of alcohol should not be an elder. And what I mean by that is a person that can't help but drink in order to operate. The idea here is lacking self-control to the point of always needing an outside substance in life to help. A man who cannot help but need to be under the influence of something else in order to function is a man that cannot be trusted to lead. Be very careful what other influences we have. Drunkenness shows a lack of self-control, which is dangerous for those that desire to lead the church. I respect the man that knows he has a problem with alcohol and won't touch a drink. That man knows his own weakness. 
Many like to pick at sin and hopefully it doesn't flow out and gush. It's like a scab. Many times we get burned. Man of God needs to be above reproach in this area. Next one we see here. Not violent. Should go without saying for an elder in the church. Violence is never the answer to the problem in the church. I know that's what the world likes to think. Should not be the answer in the church. If a man resorts to violence simply because they want to defend what they believe is right, is not a quality God is looking for in the elder of a church. And believe me, I enjoy the fired up man of God. I really do. I've liked listening to them when I was growing up. But if any of them resorted to violence, that would be the cutoff point right off the bat. Because God doesn't call us to that. An elder is not to be one who is just looking to get into a fight with others. There are preachers, they just like to trigger people. That's all they love to do. We just bring something controversial up so people get angry and worked up. Always looking for a fight. There will be points of disagreement, but a man with a constant proclivity to violence should stay away from an elder role in the church. Violence does not belong in the pulpit. Next one we see here, not greedy for money. Not greedy for money. If a man desires only to be in the ministry for his money, his desire is in the wrong place. This does not mean that every elder is called to be a pauper and have nothing, to be a monk in a monastery, live in seclusion away from everybody else. That's not what this means. People have had the wrong impression for centuries that anybody that's called to leadership in a church ought to be broke and living destitute. That's not what this means. It means that this man should be qualified enough to realize that money is not what it's about. There's a greater calling. This means that a man that's called to be an elder should be someone that is honest with their money and doesn't cut corners in order to gain an unfair advantage. There should be no cutting of corners to get an unfair advantage. The next qualifier we see here is hospitable. The one who leads must be one that opens the doors to their home. To others. The default position for an elder is to be open to share with others what God has blessed him with. If a man of God is stingy with the things God has given him, he should not be an elder. It's amazing how many people want others to be giving, but they are stingy themselves. It's amazing how many preachers you see on TV, oh, keep giving, God will bless you. What do they give? 
A lot of us are take, take, take. Very few of us are give, give, give. An elder is to be a people person by caring to spend time with the people in the church. It should not be a bother to an elder to spend extra time with somebody that needs an encouraging word or an exhortation or even admonishment. It doesn't matter if a man's an introvert or an extrovert, people should be a priority. God has called introverts and extroverts to ministry. Extrovert is not the qualifier. Caring for people is the qualifier. And now, the way that's presented is different for those that are extroverts and those that are introverts. An elder is to have an open-door policy when it comes to his home. Meaning at any moment somebody wants to show up and they need help, an elder should be willing and able to meet them where they are. Hospitality is crucial. Next one we see here is a lover of what is good. One who desires to lead the people of God should desire to do what is good and right. An elder is called to do what God has said, not what is popular or trendy at that time. These men typically hang out with others like them. In fact, the King James says here, lover of good men. This elder is going to want to be around others that are good men. If you want to know whether an elder is a good man, see who he spends his time with. Whether it's other church leaders, whether it's people in that church. Any elder or pastor who denies what Scripture clearly speaks to regarding morality, sin, and judgment disqualifies themselves in the eyes of God because they do not love what is right. Just as there were false prophets and false teachers in the Bible back then, there are false elders and false pastors and bishops today who do not preach the Word of God. I just saw this the other day on Twitter. Some so-called pastor claimed that Jesus repented over his racism. Blasphemy. That man should never have a pulpit to preach from. If Jesus had to repent, he's no longer perfect. He no longer is the sacrifice. There's going to be a special place in hell for people that blaspheme the word of God and say they're preachers. Blasphemy. And church, I will, I will say this every time. Be very careful with progressive forms of Christianity today that are popping up all around you. They look nice and cute and seem to solve a lot of problems in our culture, but they are straight from the pits of hell. Denying Scripture blatantly. Arguing that Paul didn't know what he was talking about. If Paul didn't know what he was talking about, then we can't trust the Scripture, period. Because Paul builds on everything that was already revealed previously. The next one we see here, sober-minded. Sober-minded. This is not a reference just to a pastor or an elder who can't take a joke, by the way. That's not what this is in reference to. This is in reference to a man 
who is sensible or prudent. This is a prudent man that looks beyond today into the future to adjust to things how they will be. This is a pastor or elder that sees beyond today, years from now, and says, you know what? We're going to need a Christian school. That's this kind of guy. That's a man that sees where culture's going and says, we're doing something about it right now. We're not waiting. But we don't really have any kids that are going to go to the school. We're starting anyways. It's a person that sees the vision before anybody else does. It's a man who takes everything that God has given him and applies it, not just in today's context, but in the future. A man who takes everything as a joke that God has called him to should not be in the position of leadership in the church. There are many Leaders in churches that take it as a joke as to what God has called them to. This is serious business. This is no joke to be a man of God. This isn't some comedy skit club that a lot of pastors present on Sunday mornings. Let me give you my three jokes for the day and sprinkle a little Bible verse in there. You're done. Be on your merry way. Just a little more sanctified version of a comedian. That man does not belong in the pulpit. The next one we see here is just. A man of God must be aware of the justice of God and act in accordance with his own practical living. A just man is one who exemplifies what is proper in the circumstances presented before them. An elder who seeks to pervert justice and showing bias is not qualified to lead. There are people in the church that elders will have a better connection with than others. But if that person is caught in the same sin that someone else is, then they'd be treated the same. Doesn't matter what the relationship is to the pastor. There should be no bias from elders. They are to be just. It's not enough to declare the truth. It must be lived out in a way that others are treated without partiality as Scripture clearly states. Justice matters to the elder. It shouldn't matter who the person is. Every congregational member should know that their pastor or their elders are going to definitely keep things intact. They are going to treat people with the same standard. They are not going to pervert justice. And unfortunately, throughout centuries, even in the Old Testament, you've seen that happen over and over again. People perverting the justice of God. Giving passes on things they shouldn't have given passes on. And coming down hard on people they shouldn't have in the way they treated others. A man of God should be just in how he deals with the people of God. Next one we see here is holy. Reverend is not just a title. It's to be an example of that man. 
Reverend so-and-so, this should mean something. Holiness should be what defines that man. A man of God is called to be holy in his life before others. Which means that sometimes things may seem a little legalistic why that elder or brother will not do certain things that others in the church permit themselves to do. There's a higher calling. That holiness is a standard for all of us. But the man of God especially. There's a separation to God and a testimony to uphold before others. The call of an elder is a sacred call and not to be taken lightly. Too many that are called to ministry do not take this seriously. Which is why they falter many different areas and never repent. There's a reason why certain pastors can last longer than others. Because this one mattered to them more than it did to the others. The next one we see here is self-controlled. Self-controlled. This is a man who is balanced and doesn't jump to extremes. You ever see people like that? They act one way and like five seconds later they're completely different and you're going, what in the world did I just see? One of the worst examples I see of this, and this happens really throughout the world, whether it's the business world, the church, the school, anywhere. You see this over and over throughout our society. A person is confronted with something. They were just fine up to that point. And they burst out in anger and stomp out like someone owed him some explanation. How dare you tell me I'm wrong? No patience, no understanding. A totally different person than the one you saw just a few minutes ago. A man of God has to be self-controlled. He's balanced in the way that he lives his life. Not rash to make decisions. A man of God needs to be able to think three steps ahead and not take it personally. There are many people that are going to offend you in this life. And fathers, this is still an example for all of us to follow. Exemplify to your children that you don't snap right away. That you take things in stride. You're patient with others. You're patient with your spouse. You're patient with them. You don't swing from extremes. What's even worse is when a father blows up and then he makes it up where, hey kids, let's go have some fun. Deal with what you just did. Repent, own it. We've all been there, we've all done it. An emotionally unsteady, unbalanced man is dangerous for the church and should not be in charge. If you see an elder that's like this, probably not a good leader. The, one, the way that one takes care of themselves matters for the overall health of the church. An elder of the church cannot help the people of God if he's not steady and stable himself.
A ministry is limited by what a pastor or an elder does in his own personal life. So if a pastor is not taking care of himself, he will not be able to take care of others well either. Oh, they will attempt. There are many pastors that attempt to help others. But if they themselves are out of control, that will only lead to chaos long term. You would think this one, next one would be first, but it's the last thing that's mentioned here. It's almost as if, as Paul's working through these list of qualifications, he summarizes and wraps everything up at the end here. Holding fast the faithful word. To Paul, this was of absolute necessity that he even includes the phrase, and you'll see this right here in the verse, as he has been taught. As he has been taught. Not every person that steps into ministry holds fast to the word as they were taught. In fact, many that enter the ministry bypass entirely what they've been taught in years past and are no longer qualified. They've come up with their own way. In fact, many that go to Bible colleges and seminaries leave what they've been taught and mix in their own interpretations and philosophies of the world so they can be accepted. A lot of pastors today like to be popular and cool. That's what they're about. Being faithful to the text in certain areas. I'll be faithful in the areas that I think the church will still want me to be faithful in. Not in the areas that might be a little controversial, uncomfortable, and real. Sound doctrine, teaching itself, is what it takes to properly exhort or encourage another believer. Did you know that? If your teaching is unsound from Scripture, you will not give people proper principles to live by. Any church that accepts the LGBT movement and proclaims that in the name of Christ and the Word is blasphemy. It's blasphemy. That is taking the things of God that are sacred and abusing them. Sound doctrine is what it takes to properly exhort or encourage. It's also sound doctrine that convicts or refutes those in the church who are wrong in their beliefs and practice. Now, I want to pause for a moment and make a statement. When I was a younger man and I grew up in the church, this part I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy the pastor, or even at that time the youth pastor, making a certain statement about my life that was wrong. In fact, I found it very offensive at times. How dare he tell me how to live my life? He's not perfect either. The truth is, it's not the man that matters, it's the standard that matters. God can use a donkey to speak the truth. But he uses people, typically. 
The reality is all of us are going to have moments in our lives where we're confronted by another brother or sister or a pastor, and it's going to be very uncomfortable. But if they're being sound to the Word of God, and you really can't argue that it's really what the Scripture says, you need to to listen and take heed. And you need to apply. Your goal shouldn't be to look through the Word of God and try to defend your position if the position's clear. There are many in the church that try to abuse the Scriptures by saying, that's not really what he meant. That's not really what is said, when it's clear as can be. Do you think Scripture's lying when it says that holiness is something that no one can see the Lord with, without it? Do you think that's a lie that's just written there? Holiness without any of us. We can't see the Lord. We can't. No one. That holiness is a requirement. And obviously that holiness is found in Christ, if you know your theology. The elders to be gifted in teaching the word to others and making it relevant to their lives. There are many, and I, and I remember this when I was in, in college, going through homiletics, preaching. Uh, we had one, one guy that I, I really, got to be honest, I felt really bad for. He was like the third in line to preach, his father was a preacher, his grandfather was a preacher, and he believed he was a preacher. Um, And when he tried to preach, it was just not good. It was hard for us to believe this man had the gift of teaching, if you will. This is a gift that that elders are to have. Elders to be gifted in teaching the word of God to others. Now, in working through these qualifications for an elder, one would assume that this only pertains to those that are called to ministry, right? These are the qualifications for an elder. They don't apply to me, only to the pastors, only to the bishops, only to the elders. For me, forget it. You're wrong. This is the standard for all men in the church. These are the qualifiers that Titus was to look for to to help these people get to the status of leader of that church. These are the people he should be looking for. The question shouldn't be, well, I'm not that position, so I don't need to worry about. The question is, what has God called you to, and are you seeing the areas you're not lining up? The truth is, this is the standard for all men in the church but especially for those that are called to ministry. So as we close, let's finish with this question in mind. Conclusion, am I living qualified? Am I living qualified? You see, the truth is none of us are qualified for salvation. None of us are. That qualification is found in Christ and Him alone. We place our faith in Christ. He is qualified. We are not. But are we qualified in what God has called us to? Are you and I qualified in what God has called us to? Are we living up to the standards we see in God's Word? 
want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. He says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul cared that in what he told others mattered, he was living out himself. The question is this, are we the same? Do you and I strive for what God calls for in our lives? Some of the things that were mentioned, do we live above reproach? Do we strive to be faithful to our spouse? Do we strive to lead our homes as God called us to? Do we live with others in mind, not just our own desires and wishes? Do we strive not to be easily angered or patient? Do we strive not to be controlled by other things but the Holy Spirit? What about money? Do we live for that? Do we live for possessions? Or are we living for something greater than that? Do we live a life set apart from sin? And is our life out of control or out of sync with what God says? All of this can line up if we're faithful to open and study to show ourselves approved to God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. There are many that wrongly divide the word of truth. You have to properly take what the text says and apply it in your life. And the proper way of taking the text many times is not to see what you can find for someone else to apply, but what God wants you to apply. We need to be told the truth, and we need to obey the truth. And remember, church, it's the truth that sets us free. 